everybody, Rachel Varga here, the beauty side of Beauty and the Biohacker, and I warmly invite you to check out working with Katie and I. You can go to beautyandthebiohacker.com where you can find our book one-on-one links with either Katie and I. Katie can help you with optimizing your sleep through biohacking modalities, and I can help you with optimizing your at-home and in-clinic skin and rejuvenation journey with skincare, biohacking, dermal rolling, and all of that cool stuff. Be sure to also check out our favorites page where you can find our shortlist of our top biohacking and supplement picks to help you slow your aging on a cellular level. And be sure to use those affiliate links to continue to support the show here and use the promo codes to save yourself some money. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Beauty and the Biohacker, where we explore the latest tools and trends in self-care, aesthetics, and peak performance to help you live your most beautiful life from the inside out. I'm your co-host, Rachel Varga, a board-certified aesthetic nurse specialist since 2011 with over 19,000 rejuvenation treatments performed on thousands of patients. And I'm Katie Moore, a self-proclaimed biohacker with three years of self-experimenting in the space of health and wellness technology. I'm on a mission to help you achieve success without sacrificing your health or happiness through my YouTube channel, Katie Type A. So join us as we sit down with some of the biggest innovators in the health space, the movers and shakers of the wellness world, and unpack some of the biggest secrets in the skincare and longevity space. We are Beauty and the Biohacker, and we're thrilled to have you along for the ride. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. And we are going to be diving into all things covering, you know, healthy, having a healthy relationship with food. We're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about hormonal regulation and stabilization and the implications that that has with our skin, because in case you don't know, fasting has been everywhere. But sometimes it's good to kind of sometimes flip the script and have conversations around that. But before we get started, be sure to hit the subscribe button and the bell on YouTube, the Beauty and the Biohacker YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast and you can learn more about Katie and I at beautyandthebiohacker.com. We are thrilled to be hanging out with you guys here today. So let's tell you about today's guest, Leslie Miranda. I have worked with Leslie for the last couple of years and vice versa, and there was no one else I wanted to bring on the show to talk about fasting and the implications that it can have on us psychologically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, energetically, all that stuff. So Leslie Miranda is a psychotherapist and licensed marriage and family therapist practicing in Camarillo, California. She holds certifications in EMDR, brain spotting, clinical hypnotherapy, and is a certified clinical trauma professional. She is an approved consultant in EMDR and brain spotting. She specializes in helping people with trauma, depression, anxiety, and loves to help people connect to their success. Welcome, Leslie Miranda. Oh, thank you. It's just a delight to be here with you too. I love your work and your podcast is a constant a friend to me while I'm going about my daily activities. So I'm really, really just so appreciative to be here with the both of you. Yeah, it's great to have you on the Beauty and the Biohacker show for the first 
time. And uh, Katie, will have you chime in here in a hot second talking about, you know, your take on the whole intermittent fasting movement right now and implications and all of that. But first of all, why don't we talk about our relationship with food? Leslie, in your opinion, how can we improve our relationship with food? I was thinking about this question. And first of all, like, what's food for? So I thought it falls into a few categories. And one is absolutely food is to give us energy and to give us nutrition. So there's just that fundamental level. It's also, I believe, designed to give us a little bit of pleasure, right? When we eat, it's meant to feel good. And then there's also the, the joy that happens when we commune with people and share food. And then there's even that deeper level of being connected to the seasons and what's happening on the earth. So when we think about improving our relationship to food, first of all, all those things sounded pretty happy and pretty joyful, I would say, all very positive. So when there's anxiety and tension and hyper obsessiveness around food, it might be something to look at first and foremost, just to look at, again, just that word relationship. How are we relating to food? Is it joyful? Is it freeing? Is it giving us energy? So those are some questions to look at. So on the level of just the nutrition, I always think that if there's any question on the subject, it's good to work one-on-one with a nutritionist that can be really understand where you are in your stage of life and can cater the recommendations that you could actually go to them and say, hey, there's this trend what do you think of this trend? Is this a good trend for me? Or even your doctor, there are nutritionists out there that are really aware of what's happening like now. So that's always a really good thing to do if you have any question at all, just about the energy content of your food, the nutrition, how much is appropriate, etc. That other piece about communing with people, that's something to look at too. I've heard some people call it vitamin P for pleasure. Like how much of that is happening with food? Are we being mindful, taking a few deep breaths before we eat, sitting with people, laughing? I noticed my little son at some point, I'm like, let's go. Are we eating here? But no, he's enjoying it. He's looking at each piece and savoring it and enjoying each bite. I'm like, no, I have to learn from him, that vitamin P, that pleasure. And, and those elements too, I, I like to grow my own food and that's been amazing to just watch the time and energy that it takes and put care into it and see the months that it actually takes to have a butternut squash, for instance. So I think that there's also that, that opportunity to be connected even in that more global level. And in a way it's kind of spiritual. It's like being connected to the earth and what the earth is doing. So those are some kind of like off the cuff ideas about relationship with food. I'd love to hear what you all think about this question. Yeah, I I actually have a kind of similar story as well. I, you know, having grown up in New York where you're basically like eating food on the go, everything is sort of fast and on the run and you're you're just eating to eat and get it down. You know, after moving to Hawaii, and this happened even before that, I would say even at the start of the pandemic, I really started to separate my kind of eating window and the time in which I sat down for a meal from my work because so many times I would be sitting, working, eating, not really taking in or enjoying what I was consuming. So I think setting that side or setting that time aside and also setting that time aside with 
a significant other or a partner or somebody where you're not distracted and you're actually able to focus on the conversation and the food in front of you. I think that has made the biggest difference for me is just taking time to eat, taking time to work and having those things be two separate entities. Mm -hmm. I think it's the, they talk about longevity and Okinawa comes up quite a bit in terms of people being present with each other and socializing over a meal and sharing and laughing and, and that there's something about that, that it's like another vitamin P element that increases our sense of being happy and joyful, but apparently also will prolong our life. Yeah. Yesterday I was part of a, a starseed conference. You can actually check it out at star-seed.com. And it was really cool. One of the speakers was talking about food. And she bought this like exotic melon and she was actually, as she was eating it, trying to connect with the land that the food was grown on. And I think that is so cool. She also talks about how the more you travel around the earth, the more able you are to connect into different uh, places where food is, is created. Cause a lot of times we're living in cities, the food isn't coming from where we're living and we lose that disconnection. And yes, I grow all my own herbs, lettuces, tomatoes, grapes. The deer sometimes chomp on what we grow. So we have to deal with that. But I did feed a buck yesterday. That was pretty cool with some apples. And, you know, squirrels eat most of our cherries and we get to harvest some of them and some of our plums. And it's really important to take that time to understand where that food came from and be grateful for that land that it came from as well and not to be so disconnected. And I feel like that happens a lot. And when it comes to working with nutritionists, I've worked with a few over the last few years for a couple of different reasons. First time I ever worked with a nutritionist was to slim down for a international photo shoot that I did in Belize. So it was like this like, tropical photo shoot. I was scuba diving with three sharks. It was super fun. And I wanted to look fit and I wanted to look trim. And I did a lot of personal training as well. I looked great and I actually felt awesome. I did it in a really healthy way. And then I started to do a lot of the fasting myself and noticed that I was tanking midday. And sometimes I was getting like a little grumpy and I just felt like my hormones were even a little bit off. So I worked with one of my friends, Justine Stanger. She's like a fats guru. I mean, I, I, I love her and we'll definitely have her on the show as well. But I worked with her primarily to focus on brain health optimization, right? Because a couple of things had happened to me and I needed to kind of sort that out. I needed to support my brain. And the funny thing is here, when we support our brain, we're going to have better skin. And we're also going to have better hormonal production because our pituitary glands talk to our ovaries to make our hormones as women. And our pituitary glands are making different androgen hormones and things like that, which can relate to uh, having more or less breakouts. So there's a huge connection here with our food and our hormones and our brain functions and our skin functions and looking good and feeling good. So I just wanted to share those little tidbits. So speaking of fasting, I would love to get your take, Leslie, on some of the kind of do's and don'ts and maybe even talk a little bit about the societal pressure for, you know, all people to kind of do this fasting. And, and, and you know, I, I get it from like the evolutionary standpoint, why we would fast. And I, I have certainly experienced the benefits of fasting, but I've also experienced some downsides of fasting too often or too long. And I think one of the things that we don't really talk about in society is this idea that like women's bodies versus men's bodies 
are are going to be, you know, at different times of the month, you're going to be more prone to wanting to do a fast versus not do a fast. Mm -hmm. Now, my fiance <laughs> can literally fast until tomorrow, you know, without a problem. And I struggle sometimes in the morning waking up mm -hmm. and not having food. And then it's a really slow start for me, especially mm -hmm. when I'm on my menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I would love to just kind of get your take on some really good fast practices that both men and women can kind of follow that is intuitive, but also scientific. Well, first of all, you know, I, I don't want to speak for the medical aspect of fasting, which I know that there is information out there on that. And there are books because every single person is different. And so I could say one thing about it, but then it's not appropriate for another person. And so that's where having that professional that is really attuned to to, to the particular person that they're working with and the research can be really powerful. I'm hesitant also in that because I am a psychotherapist and I see people that have a lot of anxiety about food. And there are individuals out there that maybe did not, they weren't tuned into whatever might be the current trend around the subject, but they have a lot of anxiety. They might be a bit obsessive already and they read a book and that book all of a sudden gives them a platform um, for whatever it was they were doing, which may or may not really have been healthy for them. Again, I cannot make a generalization about people um, because it's gonna be different for different people. And it's gonna be different, as you pointed out, different seasons in life might be different for gender. So many variables um, that just one book is really probably not enough to make a whole decision on this subject. So that being said, what I will say is, again, looking at the anxiety level around the subject, it's important for people to look at, look at how rigid, obsessive, how, you know, if they've been setting themselves up for success, are they getting the desired outcome here as far as all the variables, energy level. But I heard, I heard it best from someone that does specialize in working with people that have anxiety around food, that there's also other ways to fast. So if you have any question or you're, you know, the nutritionist saying like said, you know, it might not be the best thing to do fasting, but you kind of like the idea, you can turn your cell phone off a couple hours, right? I mean, maybe start with something that isn't so, uh, so much around food, which we absolutely need for energy. And can, you could continue to look at the subject, but there's other ways to go about doing this or to just actually start with just mindfulness being present around food, noticing how do we feel after we consume this versus when we consume this other type of food. But again, the challenge can be is that there can be some really smart people out there that have some things to look at around this subject that take this wonderful, valuable information that's important in regards to current trends and kind of make it fit their anxiety rather than maybe working on the anxiety, working with a professional, and then determining what the best course might be. Interesting. And by the way, I loved your very graceful medical disclaimer. Just mm -hmm. so you guys know, this is in medical advice. If you think you have a medical condition, you must seek the guidance of a licensed physician. This is educational purposes only. So when you were bringing up kind of like fasting, I started to think about like the history of fasting. So yes, I have a book from my dear friend, Dave Asprey, Fast This Way. I really actually like the book and I like some of the things that he mentions in it because he actually talks about how can we become more intuitive 
with navigating our food choices and just what you said. It's like eating in a way that feels good for you. And I'm also reading a lovely book right now called The Mists of Avalon. And it's Mm -hmm. actually based in King Arthur's time in like England and stuff like that. And the uh, main character, this boss woman on the white majestic horse holding a sword who's you know, the, the there were a lot of boss babes back in the time of King Arthur, and we don't hear about them very much. So that's what this book, The Miss of Avalon, is about. Anyways, uh, one of the characters, her husband's, is like this warrior kick butt kind of dude. And the, one of the kings recently dies, Ambrosia, I believe his name is. And he was fasting from the time he died until the time he was buried. So there is a huge spiritual connection with fasting and there can be different reasons for it to kind of like show your support in something or, you know, in biblical times, there was the instance of Jesus fasting in the desert and then he was tested and fasting has been around a long time. This isn't new, but it's become really trendy and I don't know, there's there's just some interesting stuff that's been going on in the recent times. And for me, I'll just share that I seem to not do great with fasting longer than about 12 hours. So I'll typically break my fast in the morning with like a brain and beauty. That's what I like to call it smoothie with like some blueberries, uh, some nice uh, linoleic acid fats in there, some omega-369, some really nice sustainably sourced collagen and a banana and some protein. And that really gives me the fuel I need until about about, um, lunchtime. But I'd love for you guys to just chime in on this topic of like the old and the new and the spiritual nuances of being more intuitive with navigating our food choices. Well, I guess some of this was also before Instagram, some of the time where people were maybe not met with the same pressures and maybe were coming at it from a, a different perspective. But there's a, a, I guess she's like a teacher, Alison Armstrong, I like. And this was before, this is, I read this 10 years ago before we were hearing about some of these current trends. And she had an advice for the, she works with women on helping women understand men and, do, and relate better to men. And she said, you guys got to get some food in your system because if you're trying to have, be in a good mood and be present for your ki- kids and be nice to your, you know, partners, you really need some energy in order to be able to do that. So I do think it's so important to pay attention to just how we're doing overall in our lives and how we're feeling and our energy level and our mood. And all of those are very important measures and just as important as one book that's out there, probably more important. So it's, it's good to look at all of those things. Yeah, there is that spiritual component and you do read about that in the old books. And there's probably a lot of value to, um, I mean, this is the concept of Lent to giving something up. Um, and I, you know, anytime any, anyone has done that, you, you notice there's a little bit of like, I would say it's anxiety, like, where's my cell phone or, you know, or like, I wanted that tea that I'm used to. And there, there is value in noticing that and noticing our dependence. Again, I'm just thinking bigger picture. We also have to make sure that what we're doing is healthy for us. It's an overall healthy. And a great way to determine that is to be in consultation with someone um, and and get that feedback that, yes, this is a good path. Um, But also to notice if we've 
made a choice that seems to not be producing good results. It also says in the books that you can, you know, judge something by the fruit that it's bearing. So if we're cranky and angry and depleted and, you know, we're telling everybody off in our life and then we, we just are like crashing. That's important to know. Like maybe the approach that we're currently embarking in is not best for right now. So all of it's like paying attention and looking at the feedback that we're getting. I also think that there's something to be said about just jumping in too fast, right? Like mm -hmm. some people just are like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a very glucose heavy diet and I am so used to like these spikes and crashes and I'm just going to do go ham and just do a huge fast. And then that's when your body sort of, you know, has to take a step back and realize, oh my gosh, there's so much work that needs to be done. And so sometimes I tell people, it's maybe better to just kind of start with changing up some variations of your diet before you just go into, you know, the, the deep end of the pool, because your body might, might not be set up for success. That's such a good point. And this is where I know this is a motto talked about a lot here, but like tests don't guess, like know where you're starting from. And there's these measures that you can have that your nutritionist can give you your doctor. You can look at what's happening in your body. Cause I think what you're saying, Katie, is sometimes you want to be super healthy and already be built up and start from a place of like excess before you might try something different. And so, you know, that's just as important. Maybe you need to supplement or add before you subtract and build up and nourish. It's like the oriental medicine concept of chi, that there's this energy and life force. We want to build that up. Like if we don't have any and then we take more away, what do we have left? So great point. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that uh, I noticed some changes with my cycle over the last few months. And who knows what that's related to maybe a concussion, maybe other stuff in the world, you know, a whole bunch of things going on. And uh, I actually met with someone who specializes in fertility, based on that TCM perspective, because I'm kind of in that preconception phase, I'm planning on, you know, having kids in a year, two years, somewhere around there. So I'm taking the time to be really diligent and honed in with my body and be gracious with my body and really work on my relationship with my body, not the body. Like when we, it's funny, I was doing this masterclass with one of my teachers, Angela Sumner, and she was saying, you know, you don't want to say like money, body, right? We want to say my money, my body, my nutrition and have a little bit more ownership on that. It's a little bit of like a, this really cool energetic nuance that we can have. So improving our relationship to our bodies is also going to have a downstream impact with those around us. We're going to be maybe a little bit more easy to get along with when we're giving our body the nutrition that it wants and the way that it wants when it wants and, you know, also set the example. So when we're talking about skin for a hot second here, what I like to share is when my clients start to look after their skin, people around them are going to say, whoa, your skin's looking really good. It's looking clear. It's looking glassier. Maybe their age spots are starting to fade or their sunspots. They're looking like their skin is just more vibrant. And the same thing goes with our nutrition. And one of the concerns I might have right now is if we have this whole generation of young women who say have little ones, and they're doing this really strict 
fasting. They're super strict with all their biohacking stuff. Their youngsters are going to notice that. And I'll give the example of my dear mother. She weighed in at 210 pounds at one point. She was a night nurse. She dedicated her entire life to serving others. And unfortunately, you know, she really started to pay the price. She developed breast cancer later. She's good now. She's in the hospital for a GI bleed for something. I'm not going to get into that. And actually, from a young age, when I was about 14, she then transitioned to the South Beach diet. So from a young age, I actually had it instilled in me healthy eating, right? So I'm really grateful for that. We didn't have pop, we didn't have chips, you know, we didn't start the day with pop tarts like Katie has. (laughs) And I think it's really important that we set an example for our youth because I know a number of nutritionists in my local area and they're like, Rachel, I really want you to shed some light on this because we are seeing now more than ever pediatric mental health eating disorders. So really the change in the world is going to start with us and having that trickle down effect with the way that we look after our skin and our bodies and our mindset and connection with food So Leslie, how do you think we can improve our relationship to our bodies and also, you know, set the example for those around us? We have to listen to how we're talking to ourselves. And if we think if that were a friend of ours that we were hanging out with, that were saying those things to us, and, you know, we'd probably get the counsel to not have that friend around. If we're being tough on ourselves, if we're being critical, you know, if they were constantly kind of like, talking ourselves out of opportunities because of how we're not feeling our best. That's important to pay attention to that critical voice and begin to really look at that, really look at where that's coming from and to know that it's really an outright lie to be saying those kind of terrible things. And I know that there's a lot of pressures out there with social media. You talked about younger people, Rachel, and it's, it's huge in that you know, I think for those of us who like discovered Instagram, we had a worldview it was tough enough going to high school, middle school, but then it was like, oh, Instagram, but there's young people that that's like their life. Like they have a really, they don't have perspective that it's kind of like not as real as real life. So that's something to pay attention to what we're feeding our minds. And anytime there's just that or that insecurity about ourselves, we we really want to look at that and start saying nice things to ourselves. Just even on that body level, those negative comments go so deeply. They do. And we just really want to start being kind to ourselves because think of how amazing it is, the human body, what it can do, what it does every second of the day, every moment, what it continues to regenerate. So even if we just start there with how incredible the human body is, it's so important to just say nice things to ourselves. Just some fun stuff. I mean, like dance, right? Move your body, feel how good it feels just to be in your body and move or walk through space. And, you know, just, just to have the experience of like enjoyment of the body. I think there's a lot more opportunity to energize that without worrying about, you know, what's going on with our eyelashes or whatnot, but just to be, I bet you get a lot of opportunities to just have fun in nature in Hawaii, for instance. And I know you're on an island, Rachel. I mean, but it's like, just, just be in the body, enjoy that feeling without the critic. Absolutely. And yes, you're right on the money. Like Hawaii is the perfect place to really, you know, unwind, ground, get some, some nature in. I I've also been finding that touch is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Like even just like self massage, like just, you know, sometimes taking some really nice essential oils or, you know, some really nice body oils and just 
showing care for yourself in the right way can sometimes just change that relationship that you have with your body. Because yeah, we often just kind of go through life, like this is our meat suit for life, right? Mm -hmm. And we're always so critical. We always are looking at, at ourselves in the mirror, comparing ourselves to other people and ourselves in the past. And I think that like, yeah, there's there's something to be said about just trying to changing the dialogue by changing your surroundings or changing just other things that you do for yourself. And so like, I have it in my calendar, like self-care times, which is funny because you're like, wait, why, why do you have to like, schedule that. It's like, cause I, I have to prioritize taking care of myself. And when I take care of myself, I feel better about myself. I show up better in the world. Like it's a ripple effect. And I think, you know, one, I will say though, one thing that, um, you kind of alluded to earlier in the, in this conversation, I think is really important and has changed my relationship with food drastically is not looking at food as just like food, but like as medicine, mm -hmm. I think like there's something so powerful about eating the right things feeling a certain way, feeling that energy that just kind of takes over and gives you the, you know, the drive that you're looking for to be successful. You got to start looking at, at your relationship to food as like this kind of it's medicine for you. Right. And so eat the right things and you're going to feel the right way. Right. Like you wouldn't take a bad medicine. You know what that's going to do to you. You know, it's so I think there's, there's something that's just so powerful and profound about kind of changing that that sort of language you have around it as well. Yeah, I think one thing we're kind of missing, we're kind of in these choice points in human evolution, right? We're humanity's at a serious choice point right now. And the next one's going to be transhumanism. And I really want to do a talk, Katie and I talking about just this, because I feel like the biohackers are almost like halfway there. We're not quite there with the Neuralink, but uh, that's going to be the next choice point. And I feel like one thing we're really lacking in regards to improving our relationship with our bodies is I know for me, something that I have to constantly work on is to actually be embodied. It's like sometimes because I'm very much like a spiritual person, I'm a little bit in my higher chakras. And sometimes I almost like evacuate my body a little bit. So I will notice when I need to rest, I'll take some time outside, maybe I'll start grounding with my feet on the earth that day, maybe I'll have my brains and beauty power smoothie outside with my coffee, or I'll do some work outside. And I think it's really important just to take those cues, maybe when you get a little bit wound up, it's because you're not really even present in your body, you're just kind of on autopilot. And I think it's really easy to do when we're constantly working on screens here. So yeah, I love that tip about self massage, essential oil, letting your inner child play a little bit run around. You know, I fed a big buck yesterday, that was fun with some apples. And, you know, we, we kind of have to remember to be playful, but that touch is so key. And a lot of us have missed out on that. And I remember I did a session with one of my counselors a couple of months ago, and she's like, just remember that moment when you were a child and your parents or your grandparents just squeezed you so tight. You're kind of like trying to get out, but they wouldn't let you leave. They were just loving you and hugging you. And, you know, maybe even sometimes ask that from your partner or a friend or family member or someone you trust or just do it yourself. What do you think about that for uh, just giving our body a little bit more love in a couple of different ways. Leslie, what's your take on that? Well, I, th I think these are just wonderful points and it's so important to, I mean, touch is so important. We were designed to be you know, hugged and hold hands and be close with people and, 
and it really decreases anxiety. And then also just checking in and it's like being tender. So like, yes, we fuel up with food, but we also can fuel up our whole system and help get into a relaxed state and a peaceful state. So all of these things where we are actually, it's like just that self-nurturing where we're building ourselves up in a non-judgmental space, giving our nervous system a break and taking time out to, in some cases, literally smell the roses is so powerful. That's the running joke that I have with my bestie when we go and hang out and we're walking her dog and there's wild roses. Like literally I'm stopping every 10 feet uh, to smell the wild roses and actually am sniffing on some sweet local wild roses here in this essential oil. If any of you guys want this oil, just reach out to Katie and I at beautyandthebiohacker.com or our contact details are down below. And it's just like it's amazing. It's the most gorgeous essential oil I've ever found. It's like 20 bucks. You can find some rose essential oil online. That's like upwards of two, $300, which is insanity. This is made by some really lovely happy bees. So happy to send this to you. <laughs> so Leslie, I have a, a quick question for you, just kind of like for the parents out there mm. and in ways that they can kind of safeguard their kids from so much of the noise that happens on social mm -hmm. media. Like when I was growing up, it was like, my parents just wouldn't buy me the magazines with all these mm -hmm. very thin models that were, you know, uh, totally out of, like it was such an out of reach, you know, perception of like what a woman should look like. And so my parents mm -hmm. would just be like, no, we're not buying that magazine. And it was so much easier back then, you know, or mm -hmm. we're gonna change the channel. And, you know, the internet wasn't filled with all of these different messaging kind of, you know, around what you should look like, what you should eat and all that stuff. So given the, the where we are today and given all of the, you know, stuff that you're going to be seeing on these social media sites like TikTok and Instagram, some of it's good, mm -hmm. some of it's not so good. What, what would you say are some good takeaways for parents listening mm -hmm. in that are like, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to protect my child, but I also want to teach them in the right way so that they're, they're making these educated decisions on the, on their own. Mm -hmm. What I've seen can happen is all of a sudden a child will become an adolescent and a parent goes, phew, like we don't have to like, well, they know how to like cross the street and all of that. And so sometimes they pull back on the attention level because they're like, they can sit there for a few hours with their iPad or their phone and they're safe. And, and it's, I hate to break it to everyone, you know, but it's like, you still have to really pay attention and just as in, in a vigilant way. And so one thing is to just notice your kids, what they're doing, what they're talking about, what are they looking at on Instagram? And I think you're making a good point that, yeah, before it was like you had to go to the store, get a magazine. There were so many steps that could intercept from, you know, being seeing content that may not have been that great. And there's still ways to do that. However, to your point, there's just so much available. So this is where those conversations that parents have with their kids is so important because there's complete knowledge out there. There's information, but kids don't know how to interpret the information. So without a parent saying, here's what we believe, here's why we don't think this is healthy. Here's what we've seen, you know, based on our experience, oftentimes the child's going to default to what the trendy influencer is up to. And even worse, I mean, there's some bizarre rabbit holes like that a child can get into and parents need to just know that that that's like the really tough part. Got to have some energy as a parent. But those conversations that we have with our children where we explain like where that 
that influencer might be coming from, maybe explain filters, you know, and how different people are actually looking in real life, et cetera, and to just have those conversations. And what then happens is then I've seen parents get disappointed. They're like, my child didn't listen. Well, they did listen. You planted a seed. You're not, it didn't grow into a tree in one day, but it's growing. And then by the time they're 21, you've been having those conversations. They're in their brain. They may mess up. You may be really surprised that like they made a bad choice or whatever, but you come back, you teach, you say, let's talk about this. Like, you know, we want the best for you. We're not trying to restrict or limit. We want to help you see this clearly. So having that energy to go back and continue those conversations and to know that it does sink in, even if you don't think it does, it does. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for answering that question. My next question for you is how can we be sensitive to maybe when someone gains or loses weight? And I'll think about someone very close to me right now. She's just been through something with her body breakup and she is like real thin right now. She's like, Rachel, I have people telling me that like, I look too skinny. I feel like I look okay, but yeah, I want to put some muscle on. And, you know, we have to be really careful with when someone loses or gains weight, why that might be, and to not necessarily like compliment them if they have lost weight, if it's from something that's been pretty traumatic. So what would be your suggestion for navigating that and supporting those who we love that we're noticing changes with their bodies and, you know, when to just stay the heck in your own lane? So I, I really think it's great what you said, Rachel, that you're looking at the big picture and that you're thinking probably not best to just like hyper focus on something when this person is hurting. So it's like seeing the, the, the person checking in with them and attuning to what's going on. And maybe in that case, just asking how you can be supportive and whatnot. But you're right in that sometimes we put attention onto something that's very surface and in a way you're like watering that plant, which is when you water a plant, it's going to grow. But if it's not coming from the best place, not necessarily a plant you want to grow. So we want to really just connect with people first and foremost. And yes, there are surface indicators that sometimes ebb and flow, but it's about being attuned and connected and maybe not necessarily always commenting when we notice something a, a little bit abrupt or a change, but just connecting, getting to know what's happening with that person, and maybe highlighting some of those inner qualities and also assessing where they're at, what their needs are. I think also there's a important, important, like point or, or kind of like shifting focus that needs to happen as well. Like when you know that it's going from like, a manageable place to like, all of a sudden, they're completely out of control. And then what do you do in that situation? Do you reach out to a loved one to kind of help them with support? Do you actually tell them face to face like, hey, I'm, I'm seeing some big changes in you. And I really want to talk about that. And maybe have you thought about getting help? Like, this is a this is a tricky area to navigate. But I think it's such an important one. And so I just would love your take on like, what is the, you know, I mean, not right court course of action, because there's really no right or wrong way. But what would be kind of a preferred method of really getting somebody to open up about this and mm -hmm. potentially seek help if they need it? I loved hearing you just now be very direct and caring. That was really good. I mean, it, yeah, it's like finding the right time. You don't necessarily want to like text it. Um, but having that that conversation where you come from a caring place, what they call a carefrontation, where you're, you know, just in your caring, but also 
checking in with people and being direct, honest, and clear. And it's up to them whether they want to hear it or not. But that may have been why they were crying for help externally, that deep down they wanted that. And if someone is not ready to hear it, obviously, we wouldn't want to push, but we would want to let people know we're always there for them. But I love how you did that just now, Katie. That was great, where you just said, I care about you. I'm noticing there's some changes. I just really want to check in with you. I'm concerned. And I mean, oftentimes, that's what people were looking for. They were tired of just being surface and not being able to really be connected with on a deep level. So oftentimes, that can be amazing. And people will respect you so much for that. And then sometimes, there'll be a wall, unfortunately, and the person might not be ready. But kind of like we said, with the seed, they know there's somebody out there that cares that saw past the surface and into the heart. Beautiful. All right, let's jump into radiance, charisma. You know, this is my wheelhouse, helping people look and feel the best with their skin and new splash that comes from the inside out. I heard recently just about individuals talking about how they feel like they're more beautiful in their body when they lean into their truest self and what makes them special and what makes them unique. What would be some of your insights for how self-acceptance can enhance our radiance and charisma? I love what you just said. I actually, at one point, really wanted to study the topic of charisma. I found it interesting and I had a background in acting as well. And I studied with a few teachers and bottom line is just what you said, that it is that self-acceptance that produces charisma. It's not trying to be someone else or trying to model what someone else is doing and then incorporate it. It's being you, truly, truly. Even when we think of some of the performers, actors out there that we really like, they often have their own quirkiness, their own vibe that's completely different, that's charming. So absolutely, when we are present with ourselves, that is like a magnet to other people. A good way I've heard it described is we want to become so fascinated and involved with what we're doing that we forget about who we are, and then we are who we really are, meaning we are just in the moment and thriving. And it's really interesting because that's the energy of expansion. So it Goals. It's it radiates where when we're trying to be something else or like measuring something really cool, you know, and just that constrictive energy is going to kind of dim the light. So being in that place where we truly can accept ourselves and know that we're wonderful, that we are unique, that we have something that only each one of us can give and being present with that, it absolutely will just shine a light all around us. Gorgeous. All right. Well, let's, uh, you know, wrap things up here. Does anybody have any closing words that they like to share in regards to today's episode, you know, talking about having a healthy relationship with food? Well, I hope that that there's been a lot for people to think about. And I really do want to emphasize that if there's any concern about this topic, there are people there that can hear you out. There are therapists that can just, you could check in with. There are nutritionists that can help you get on a good track that it's, and we have access to like so many people all over the world these days. So try and lean in. Why not? What would it hurt to just get some feedback if you have any concerns and to realize that, you know, truly one size does not fit all and each one of us is different. And we have to be really mindful of the approaches that we're taking and really be sure that they're healthy in all levels. So I hope people will reach out if need be and just get some support. But I also hope we've encouraged people to have some joy to go run on the beach 
dance it out a little bit, get some rose aromatherapy and enjoy themselves. Yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know, I, I think everything that you said was really just so on point, Leslie. And I appreciate your 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 candor and and really kind of looking at the big picture of all of this stuff that's going on. And it's like it all kind of it ripples, but it all starts with just like this acceptance of yourself and self-care and love. And that is going to translate into so many different aspects of your life, your relationships to not only other people, but yourself, your job, everything. So I think at the end of the day, it's like, it's all connected guys, you know, and it, it does start with coming to a really good, comfortable place with yourself. And sometimes inner work takes a long time. We've got years of like childhood trauma, we've got to still process. And I think sometimes you just have to do the work. And if it starts with meditating or it starts with a walk or dancing or something like that, like just start doing that and and then start to incorporate these other aspects of, you know, advanced fasting and all these other things into your life in time. But it doesn't need to be all at once, you know? Yeah, it's like cover the basics before investing in all this time and money in biohacking metrics, like right? Like measuring your blood glucose. What does your aura ring say? All this stuff. And, you know, we really have the power within us if we choose to be intuitive enough with it, like my dear husband, who he kind of turns his nose up to biohacking. It's, it's really quite cute. And he's like, I just know when something isn't good for me or when I need something. And, you know, if we can foster more of that, that's great. But sometimes, you know, biohacking options can be great to help you feel just how good you can feel at a certain spot. And then you can learn to mimic that on your own. So that's like kind of a really cool sort of like segue between the biohacking world and also, you know, the intuitive space of eating well. So Leslie, how can people work with you? My website, Leslie Miranda, lmft.com. You can check me out on Instagram, leslie.e.s.miranda. And I would love to just connect with people and see what people are up to. I'm always happy to also plug people into various resources. So feel free to reach out and be happy to chat with you. Lovely. Well, today was a really great conversation. And thank you, Leslie, for joining Katie and I here on the Beauty and the Biohacker podcast. And yeah, we're going to wrap things up here. Be sure to check out all things Katie and I at beautyandthebiohacker.com. We actually have our favorites page up so you can see some of our favorite options that help us look and feel our best and also ways that you can work one-on-one -on -one with Katie and I and be sure to register for our newsletter where we're going to be sharing some pretty exclusive savings and options and insider details. Be sure to subscribe on the Beauty and the Biohacker podcast youtube channel hit that bell on youtube so that you know when new episodes are live and hang out with us on instagram at beauty and the biohacker and we will see you all very soon in our next episode right here on the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Beauty and the Biohacker today. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave a comment or share it on your social media account and we'll give you a shout out. And don't forget to head over to beautyandthebiohacker.com to check out all our episodes and our favorites page where we include our curated list of products with special discount codes just for you guys. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter because we're sharing some exciting exclusive content and giveaways you won't want to miss.